0: Hello and welcome to Think Fit Be Fit podcast. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I am the hostess and creator of this podcast where we share stories, expertise and conversations on effective thinking for potent workouts. These conversations range from embracing curiosity and body intuition to kinesiology, exercise mechanics, and functional anatomy and a lot of stuff in between. I like to think of this podcast as fitness brain food, which is a timeless signal in an industry that's full of noise, full of guilt, full of chest pounding and providing real information on how to improve the body. And it has been such a pleasure. This is episode number 73 with a very special guest, Ben Dragovon of Dragovon Performance. He is a colleague, a friend, and someone I admire in high-performance athletics. Before I share information about him and the wonderful conversation that I'm sharing with you today, I have some fun housekeeping announcements, which is our new website, thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. We have a new mailing list. We have some new shows coming in, meaning brand new material that is going to change the fitness industry. I can't share exactly what that is now, but stay tuned. Um, and the best way to do that is to be on the newsletter, which you can subscribe directly on thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. This mailing list is, Uh, giving you access to deep knowledge dives and projects that me and the team are working on. And, you know, it's a refreshing view as well. So we are offering a unique view on muscles and a portal to new ways of self-care and respecting the body with exercise and how to improve health. For example, I am bringing on my functional medicine practitioner. She's a doctor and my doctor, and we're going to share some stuff in the podcast, but there's going to be some extras in the newsletter and on the website. So I don't want you guys to miss out. So please head on over and get into the subscriptions. Um, Meaning just give us your name and we do not want anything back except that you share this with people who need a new view on exercise, which honestly is a lot of people. We've been doing fitness wrong for a long time in our current culture. And how you know someone is doing something wrong um, and following the status quo of a fitness culture is you know, if they have, or you have experienced frustrations, if you want to be more self-leading, meaning not relying on experts, but you want the tools to do it yourself, that is what I'm inviting you to do. It's a journey and it's educational based. And I want to continually challenge and educate my audience. Um, and because that's the way that I have found so much gratitude and joy in my exercise process. Okay, so without further ado, I am so excited to bring this episode and actually two episodes with Ben Dragovan and hopefully some more in the future. He is um, a colleague that I met about ten years ago. He's on the other coast, meaning uh, Bellevue, Washington. And as many of you know, I'm in the Washington D.C. area, and we've stayed in touch and in a close, um, you know, proximity of one another in our careers in some way because we've been doing uh, similar classes and working heavily within the soccer industry and that's where it stops like but because ben <laughs> works at the highest level of uh, high performance athletes meaning like hope solo megan Rapino and multiple major league baseball players and you know that's not my everyday but that actually his is his every day um day in and day out type of work. And so I really am pleased with his generosity to share all this stuff with us because it's just a unique perspective. So head on over to Instagram and find him at Dragavon Performance. His website is also dragavonperformance.com. He has... more than 12 years of experience as both a player and a coach in professional soccer. And so his soccer career, we're talking about the Sounders FC, um, the Columbus Crew, Toronto, and a few others. On the coaching side of it, we are talking about the Seattle Reign, which this is really unique. He was a assistant coach, a strength coach, and medical staff member, basically all at once for five years, and has been an assistant coach for the Sounders um, 2 and the Sounders FCU 23s, the Academy at the Sounders, the Seattle University Men's Soccer, Western Washington University men and Women's Soccer. He served as a goalkeeper coach for US Youth Soccer national teams, U18s and U19s and yeah, wow. So he's educated in muscle activation techniques, resistance training specialist, and these are where him that's where him and I met through those programs and he has a B.S. from Western Washington University in exercise science and pre-physical therapy and currently his individual client load goes everywhere from NFL clients, Major League Baseball, EPL, German Bundesliga, U.S. Men's National Team, U.S. Women's National Team, NWSL, U.S. Deaf National Team, and U.S. Skiing. We go into all the corners. We dive into them because he's a goalkeeper. We're diving into the corners of his experience and our shared experience and some stories of behind the scenes of what that is, Uh, like coaching Hope Solo for years. We talk about internally defeated athletes and then breaking ground into the athletic training world. That's, what, that's his personal story. We talk about wearing different hats while in professional sports and coaching at the national level. We discuss compassion and trust with athletes, the psychology of different athletes, educational journeys. We discuss landscape of overtraining in youth sports. And some of my favorite subjects, which is minimum effective dosing, micro-assessing the athlete, allostasis, and getting to the next level of health and performance. I, I mean, I have a list that keeps going, like mental fatigue of goalkeeping, strategic planning for athletic training, risk assessment, at, et- you know, I've included all the links so you can take a look at his career and um, follow him on Instagram. He does show you inside his training thought process, which is unique. And that's what you're here to learn today. Sit back. Um, You can try and take notes, but I just think this is more about listening to the experience and trying to picture how you can take your body to the next level or take your athlete to the next level with some of these strategic and, uh, really thoughtful ways of training in athletics. So again, his Instagram is Performance. His website is dragovonperformance.com. My Instagram is impact underscore your underscore fitness. The podcast has an Instagram, fit underscore podcast. And we have an affiliate that I would love for you to check out, Ruvi, R-U-V-I. It's a high-performance drink that is just freeze-dried vegetables and all the fiber. It's very delicious. Go check it out. At impactyourfitnessthrivelifecom slash your first order comes with a shaker bottle, and that's really enough for me. Delicious fiber shaker bottle done. Anyways, enjoy this episode, and please reach out on the gram. I can't wait to hear from you. Enjoy. Very unique hands-on experience. Mm-hmm. comes from like I guess like an evolution of you know what was not working for you and may have been working for other people around you mm-hmm. and it seems like you dug into being a unique player therapist coach combining it all and, and evolving and going in all these different directions Mm -hmm. Um, I would love it if you could introduce yourself. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize like how many different sides of professional sports you've been in, I don't know, not in, not just in contact with like in the veil, right? Like in Mm -hmm. the trenches, I would love to know what your most used phrase is for your clients.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. My name is Ben Dragovan. Um, I'm in Bellevue, Washington. You know, uh, to, to touch on my evolution to uh, the things that I practice now and the, the philosophies I use and, and, and uh, philosophies of training, philosophies of, of rehab therapy. I'm using air quotes right now just to make sure that everyone understands that um came from a a lot of my own frustrations with my own injuries as a a professional soccer player um i was with the seattle sounders for uh five years and then i bounced around uh, major league soccer and ultimately ended up in austin texas playing for a lower division team and i kind of went into that already uh on a downward the downward spiral of, of injury after injury and I kind of hit it and got down there. And then finally I couldn't hide it anymore. And it became very apparent and I lost my, my, uh, contract. It was dissolved and I ended up moving back to, uh, Bellevue where I'm at now. Um, uh, before I, uh, went and played uh, professionally, I had a degree in exercise science and pre-physical physical physical therapy. And and I came back to Seattle after I was done playing and, and and found the athletic training Institute, which is where I, I still work. Um, went through, uh, you know, my own injury rehab here um, and then ultimately was probably so emotionally scarred at that point um, and probably insecure and going through very strange emotions uh, of a, maybe a internally defeated pro athlete and not knowing what to do next and not, not wanting to outwardly admit it to people, but knew internally that I was in a spot where I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Um, Yeah. I came to the Athletic Training Institute and uh, kind of the paradigm shifts and thought processes that they had here uh, really resonated with me and my struggles as as an athlete. And then uh, with my background in exercise science and and pre physical therapy, I ended up just studying and reading their books and working out and just showing up, just showing up. And they let me do it and they created a kind of a, a home environment for me away from, you know, in a situation where I didn't really know what to do. Um, so I had a, I kind of had a purpose. I had a daily structure. I got up and went to ATI and worked out and studied a little bit, which was kind of cool. Meanwhile, uh, to make some money, I actually started coaching back with the Sounders in the youth academy, uh, and then up with the U23 team. So like the college age kids and the kids that are going to go into pro, uh, pretty quickly, I did end up doing that for four years while well, I went through all these educational processes, MET, RTS, uh, all of Jacques courses of, uh, uh, FNS, um, Mac all the you know all the people were exposed to um, and started building a bill of business at ATI on my own with my own clients while I was still coaching which was kind of cool so I kind of go back and forth and then uh, the opportunity to coach uh, the Seattle rain the women's pro team um, which had hope solo Megan rapino uh, big name players uh, they gave me the opportunity to uh, kind of utilize all of my skill sets I've been developing including kind of a quote-unquote rehab based, uh, strength training base and my co- technical coaching skill on the field and I was able to integrate it uh, with with the entire team and I specifically coached goalkeeper so I was coaching hope solo in that that scenario for I ended up doing that for four years and that gave me a very very unique opportunity to really learn how to integrate everything I was doing mm-hmm. and figure out how to transfer the thing I was doing uh, on a massage table to a strength training situation to the technical skill work on the field and it really gave me an avenue to do it with these these world-class olympic athletes that i i I just wouldn't have gotten access to any other way um you know eventually things got too much in terms of okay i'm still coaching the sounders, doing the rain trying to build a bill of business i had to kind of simplify things and um this all this also gave me opportunities with the u.s national team coaching and and, and things like that so it's really really uh interesting um and as time goes on, you know, uh, you know, this, the, 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 pro soccer thing was really, really cool on paper. Did it satisfy everything I needed financially? Not necessarily. Um, but it put me in rooms with, okay, I'm part of the medical team now. Okay. Now I'm in a position with the coaching staff where I'm in a meeting with the coaching staff and the general manager and the owner about what to do about players, uh, I'm also a coach. Like I had to like change my hat every, you know, hour within that facility and kind of figure out, okay, don't talk to me about that right now. I'm in this this role now. Um I would have, you know, my massage table out on the field uh before practice doing some strategic exercises with uh you know the goalkeepers and getting them ready to do their warm-ups. I don't think you see that anywhere else in terms of like, like you don't see a, a coach putting their hands on people and doing that type of stuff. And I'm not saying it's a good thing to do or not. That was just the opportunity I was given and I took advantage of it. And now I've transitioned that all into my own private business into, uh, at ATI and still work with the pros on their own. They come see me privately. I work with major league baseball. I work with, uh, all variety of clients, you know, people with autoimmune diseases, uh, people who just need help getting out of chair. Um, so my day is really, really, uh, I'm going to say blessed with a variety of different people. So every hour is different and every experience is different. Every time we do it, it's such a cool experience. It's not, it's not, I'm not rigid and stuck in anything. It's like, okay, we progress together and that's different for everybody. So um, it's been, it's been a lot and it's been uh, an interesting path to get to where I'm at now. You know, and I, I never had, I never had set out like that's my goal. Is I'm doing this and integrating all this stuff. It just the information. Uh, I was like, oh, that actually applies over here, and oh, wow, I can use that and apply it over here, and then I morphed it into whatever it does. I do now, and it's still going to change again because I'm going to keep getting educated. <laughs> yep. um, it, it better keep changing, otherwise, I'm going to get bored and I'm going to go do something else. So, yep. um, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think we met when you had started you were with the Sounders Academy mm-hmm. I think that is when we met so it's been really cool watching watching it from over here on the other coast and yeah. you know running into each other over the years and mm-hmm. um, staying in contact so yeah it's really it's 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 amazing um, you know thinking about when you were talking I was thinking about that very unique part of being the professional athlete injured to working with world-class athletes on their injuries I think mm-hmm. that's really unique I don't know who
1: well I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there's people out there that do it and you know I think it's worth Time to investigate that a little bit more. Um, You know, you know where it really it it puts me on their level from a compassion standpoint and an understanding of where they're at. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially being able to look at it from, okay, I was a coach, I was uh, your quasi therapist. uh, Again, air quotes for that term. Uh, I've been your strength coach. I've been your performance coach on the field, and I can I, I get where you're coming from on these from these different perspectives on how you're feeling in this certain scenario, I get it. Cause I've felt it myself and I've been there. And I'm like, even these days, I, one of my best skill sets that I have with, with clients is I can put my hand up to all the mistakes I made leading up to this point. And hopefully me sharing my story and my information helps you a ton because I did not prepare well enough when I was a pro athlete. I did not recover well enough as a pro athlete. I didn't do it the right way. My mindset was I'm I'm young. I can do whatever I want. And I was just naive. I didn't have access to certain information. Uh, But it wasn't like I was out searching for it either. So Mm -hmm. um, I I, I like to connect with people on that type of level and say, okay, here we are together. You know where I've been. You know where I come from. I know where you're at now Mm -hmm. because I've been around it. I've been in it from different Mm -hmm. viewpoints different viewpoints and i can see it from every level so if you want to go communicate with your coach about what just happened here here's how you talk to that person blah 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 i i I know how to play that game as well so there's a trust factor and, and and a healthy healthy trust factor that develops there because they get that someone uh that they're working with someone that can really really um put on multiple hats and see it from their viewpoint including you know when you're talking about pro athletes their financial motivations, you know, that, I mean, it, it, it all plays a big factor in the psychological and the psyche of what, what they're trying to accomplish. I mean, mm. um, and if, if you don't know, you don't know, yeah. it's, 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 interesting. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, um, it's, well, it's fascinating. It's more than interesting. Um, and how impressive is it when you do come across an athlete that is looking for answers before they hit rock bottom of some sort, or they're at some like horrible roadblock, you know, or like decision tree.
1: It is interesting uh when someone approaches you uh, with that kind of advanced thinking,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um but you could also dive into that a layer and go, okay, how are they actually at this point?
0: Mm-hmm. There may
1: be more layers underneath that than, than you may know um, because sometimes people are seeking so much information that it can be a deterrent and, uh, and a detriment on their performance and actually what they're doing. Cause they're so psychologically absorbed in that there's no switch off button.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you, so that's, you know, when you're, when you're doing an intake and you're meeting someone for the first time, it's an interview. I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out who you are and, and how you learn and, who you are mm-hmm. as a person. And then you, yeah, you peel layers back to you. Go, okay. Are you, are you really advanced in your thinking or are you, do you have some thought process, uh, yeah. issues that you got to talk about, you know? Yeah.
0: Type A versus a healthy curiosity.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think the, it's pretty rare to come across the healthy curiosity in that zone, even though you can, it can be seem like it on the outside. Like there's always, yeah. there, there's an emotional layer underneath there that's really got them there. That's something yeah. I've got
0: do. I've gotten into one, uh, one of my clients currently, it's like a NFL rookie that is a healthy curiosity thinker. And I, I'm always like, just keep doing like keep reassessing keep asking questions and it's just Mm -hmm. so impressive
1: (laughs) you know there there, there might be a shift in that too because as as advancements in training are coming and and, you know i've I've come across a couple universities that their strength coaches i'm like wow you guys are doing cool stuff (laughs) versus versus uh you know historically you look at some things you're like you know it's the typical old school this 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 there's some universities out there that are doing some really really neat stuff and i'm like oh Good for them. That's Good for cool. them, and that, and they and they and they're doing a great job of sharing it with some of their athletes. And you're going, okay, and I can talk to you, and we're we're on a better level here. We can keep going. This is awesome. Um, yeah. So you know the educational journey that people are going on is really it can be starting to show through, um, mm-hmm. which is which is awesome. And, and you know we need to keep getting more and more educated to keep building all that. But
0: yeah, but hey, we're from that generation of. Um... <laughs> You know, just uh, like making the mistakes and r- learning the hard way. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I have learned in very unconventional ways. I will say that. That's mm-hmm. been my, that's been very consistent. And now it's staying consistent in this podcast where I'm, I mean, the last two months have blown me away. And like how many cold water splashes have been coming in from learning and Mm -hmm. asking questions and so I'm just gonna keep on doing that
1: um well um, my mindset though when I was a player was I'm gonna outwork your ass no matter what yeah and then I'm gonna go and then I'm gonna go lift weights afterwards (laughs) and then you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna have a couple beers after that and that didn't last very long (laughs) but that was my personality was work harder and then party hard sometimes after that or recover hard or whatever mm-hmm. you want to term it and it just wasn't reasonable for how um advanced sports have become and uh the the re- recovery requirements you know it just it was a very old school thought process you know um old school culture that I was a part of that I didn't switch out of uh, mm-hmm. in time and I share that very very openly with my athletes because there's mm-hmm. it's it's the the levels are so thin um that that could kill you mm.
0: mm-hmm. and yeah. it killed
1: me i mean it was it was it it did me in at the end of the day and i love sharing that
0: mm. and it
1: makes me emotional honestly to think about it because it, it it was that was what i lived off of and then to be able to kind of switch it around and, and share that story with people um there's different ways to go about this without being quasi soft in your mind, without being Mm -hmm. emotionally abused by a coach saying you need to push through stuff. You can still have a hard workman's like attitude. Uh, if you, if you put recovery and how you treat your body into that workman's attitude, you can, you can do it right. Um, it's just, yeah, I like being able to share that. It's, it was, it it was a tough thing to go through because you have to look back and self assess yourself and go, I didn't do very well there, but, I learned from it and now I can share it.
0: Mm. Do you think that bulliness of the, co- the coaching bulliness, the get up and be tough thing is the same. Do you see in female versus male on the coaching side of it?
1: Mm, yes and no. Uh whew. Different
0: mm-hmm.
1: different, I suppose, um, but if you look at uh, youth sports, youth soccer, uh, the expectation on the girls is just the same as it is boys. Mm-hmm. They're out there overtrained four or five nights a week with two games on the weekend, and when are they recovering? it's the same deal Oof. It's the same problem it's the it same is... uh, it's, it's a big, big issue. My stomach
0: um, just turned thinking about going back to that.
1: Oh yeah. And then you have coaches that are are old school in their thought processes and they're going to push kids and they need to be pushed and they need to be pushed and pushed and pushed and like, these kids are freaking amazing that they can even operate <laughs> with how, with how depleted their nervous yeah. system is and how dampened they are. And they're still mm-hmm. studying and getting 4.0s and getting, they have to, to get in these universities and you're making them do all this stuff. And now they need extra training on top of it because that's the new requirement. And uh, it's just, bonkers where it's gone honestly. yeah yeah <laughs> it's like I t- I've told the ho- super high level coaches in this area I go what if you took a day off let the kids brains recover from what you just did to them mm-hmm. and you took a day off and then maybe your three sessions a week will be way more quality and less than your four sessions of you with three teams just getting through it that can't be the best way to develop somebody
0: yeah I mean on the management side of it at Alexandria soccer, we have been, you know, proponents of that um, for a while to be able to say, there is just going to be a day where they're going to play and have fun and be creative. And I mean, you would get pushback from every single level of, of, uh, competitiveness and teams. Um, And then some of them, when they ease into it and just accept it as, okay, maybe this is a new way of learning youth soccer and doing youth soccer. Um, It's a, it's a really nice transition to be a part of, to be honest with you. And um, I realize it's not the norm in almost anywhere else, but um, it's been pretty freaking amazing to see it on this side of it. So yeah, that's
1: where that's refreshing, honestly. I mean, it's, you look at some of the youth academies today, and they're they're pro development, blah blah, blah. Uh, and at the younger ages, you know, they're still training four nights a week and doing all this stuff. And you look at like, well, that's what they do in Europe, and it's like, no, no, they don't. They they may go to a soccer school, but they're also cross training within that school. They're doing gymnastics, mm-hmm. they're doing other things. They're they're stimulating their brains in much different ways than what you're asking them to do. They're not specializing at that young of age. If anything, they're being educated on the sport at that age, mm. meaning the meaning the philosophies and uh, how do I be a cerebral thinker within a game that requires it, uh, not a rigid cone chaser. You know, it's not point A, point B. It's it's they're th- they're thinking the game and <laughs> it. uh, it's way, way different. And, and I think there's a big mistake there on that level. If you so, took out two, yeah. two of the sessions a week and you added in two classroom sessions, uh, you might have more success there.
0: Yeah, so agile thinking versus agile at agility ladders.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <Yeah.
0: laughs> well, then yeah.
1: you'd you add, you add another layer to this. and I'm mean, i I'm sorry I'm going on a rant now, but okay, you, you want them to train four nights a week. When do you want them to lift and get stronger and tolerate the forces that they're doing mm. to their body? When do you want them to do that? When yeah. they're already extremely tired. I know. Okay, what good is that going to do? Uh, we've lost touch with some of that stuff, and they're paying yeah. for it.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I that I did give up on that at some point when I just when I was working with all the high school the academy and they were still they were they were over participating in other things, which is good on one level, and then on this other level, everything and everyone was exhausted. Yeah. And I I I pitched morning sessions. I pitched Like, could we just train in the morning and then do lifting after school? That was an idea. Um, I I mean, and God, I I went through so many different ways to try to get at it. Um, And searching for the minimal effective dose, searching and searching. And um, I just stopped. And <laughs> that's where I'm at now. I just focused on the kids that were interested in one-on-one, you know, and yep. that's kind of where I, I left it, but.
1: It's tricky. Cause I've, I came across that same issue. It's like, okay, how do you, how do you dose this, this kid appropriately? That might be already so overdosed. Uh, man, what do we do in this scenario? Um, you know, and that's where some of our, uh, you know, our tools and our toolbox come in kind of handy to kind of assess where they're at uh, mm-hmm. and go, okay, this, today we're just going to stimulate a few things and get you out of here. Uh, today, maybe there's an opportunity where we can work on some things. We can work on your movement patterns a little bit. Your brain seems a little ready for that. There's 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 ways to do it. But ultimately, it's it's a, it's a hit or miss situation going, okay, well, today we can do stuff. Um, it's hard to gain any consistency and learned habits from that, right? Yeah, Uh, When it's it's completely randomized uh, in terms of what their loading structure is throughout the week, it's what are you supposed to do?
0: Yeah, it's a big Uh, one. But that's the right place to be in this conversation, actually. So no apologizing for rants because that's perfect. Mm -hmm. And um, the one the so it's this continuum of (coughs) strength, recovery, potentially rehab. Mm Mm-hmm. Rest, stimulate, challenge. It's like this whole cycle of, mm-hmm. um, it's a continuum. And that's kind of what I want to put a pin in with you and get into how you maybe like describe that to your potential client or, um, I don't know, are you working with the parent? Are you working with the pro athlete? Are you working with the the you know, that tender, wonderful age, right? When they're going into their four-year university program, Um, how do you sell that, like this continuum idea?
1: Uh, The sales pitch uh, really is pointing out the obvious. It's like, okay, so here's what you're actually doing and this is what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And me having a background in that sport Uh, at the youth level and the pro level and having a really in-depth knowledge of what they're trying to achieve from, um, the developmental coaches standpoints uh, and and being in those rooms, understanding that go, this is what you're, they're trying to achieve, but here's what's really happening here. And when you point out that, um, parents eyes get big. Um, when they realize that, um, these kids are living in a state of allostasis, and they're so far away of what their homeostatic norm should be that they're so normalized by being in a dampened nervous system, not even functioning at their highest output, but they're still doing really cool stuff. Uh, Trying to get them to understand that you don't even know how good you could feel if you you allowed this stuff to, to occur, if you allowed yourself to recover from it, if you allowed some strength training and allow yourself to gain the adaptations from your strategic strength training. Your joints are moving a little bit better, a little bit more stable in these positions. Your brain has all this cool awareness, man. Maybe when you want to uh, kick that ball over there, it becomes so much easier and your brain has so many more options to utilize uh, movement patterns within your body. So many more solutions than just one rigid one, man, that technique might actually get better really, really quickly. That technique that you go to private coaches for that you can't quite get down maybe your brain's so tired it can't do it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it doesn't want to do it because it's just overused and it doesn't know how to solve that problem now. And now what are you doing? Maybe that all that extra technical work is just really reinforcing bad habits that are going to be pretty lifelong at some point, or, you know, to a certain degree, not going to want to change over time.
0: Yeah. I mean, future orthopedic health should be part of the conversation for sure. Mm -hmm. Like it's, um,
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, they're getting yeah. Arth- arthritic changes because of the forces that they're putting in their body at younger and younger and age- ages. One of my first clients in here was a 13-year-old goalkeeper that had torn labrums in her hips, and I go, wait a minute, that's what I have as a <laughs> pro-athlete, and that's an overuse injury. That's that's you not being able to tolerate the forces going in there, and that's a total misdirection of where those things are going. What are yeah. we doing here? Uh, so we worked on that sort of as best we could, and then you know that led to these heels, these heels, like the whole the – whole s- cycle just started going off just, um, it, the tricky thing you have then is when you bring the realization to it it's like okay what do we do about it because the mm-hmm. coaches aren't going to stop mm-hmm. and the pressures and the, the psychological pressures not just on the kids but coming from the parents to the kids or coming from the coach to the parents to the kids this is what this kid's doing we have to do it Ooh, how do you get over that hump
0: mm-hmm.
1: try mm-hmm. to sell it as safe I mean what we're gonna do is we're gonna evaluate daily we're gonna assess you daily, and we're gonna figure out what's appropriate for you daily um Today might be a recovery day every day might be a recovery day based off how you're doing um even my recovery day may be too much for you. go home and go sleep and eat some food do just do something different, go mm-hmm. play a different sport, go outside yeah you, just get get away from it um, it's yeah. it's it's pretty wild,
0: yeah, I saw a player um she, she's a rookie in the, in the NWSL hmm. and she has, oh gosh, the, um, the bunions on the outside of the foot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I think they're called Taylor bunions, not on the, not on the, on the head of the fifth metatarsal, Yeah, both sides. And I was like, oh my God, like
1: we got to send uh, her to Sean, Sean, true and get some, some true boots on there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you yeah, know, and I I did ask her about what shoes she was wearing and totally dedicated to those um high top Nike whatever I can't remember what they're called anymore. Um, but Merc- Mercurial. Mercurial. Yeah, that's right.
1: Rippers, yeah.
0: Uh, and I was like, "Oh my gosh." So, I kind of just, you know, kept doing my work. I was like, "I'll oh, <laughs> come they back look to cool, this." Though, the yeah, <laughs> they look, yeah. definitely <laughs> It definitely look cool. Um, so when we talk about going on the other side of that continuum uh, into high performance, tweaking motions, like if we're talking about goalkeepers, like how they're pushing off um, versus and like changing little movement pattern habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess this is... Where I think y- you would really shine as being unique, like how how do you facilitate training sessions at that level?
1: Uh, well. Oh, I like your shirt.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh
1: and yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> shout out to to Jacques on that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. That's become my my workout shirt. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's interesting because it, it's. You know, how well an athlete controls their center of mass or if their center of mass is actually controlling what they do can make or break a lot of things, you know, is there uh, quality of their first movement, meaning their first internal shift into a direction that they want to go? Is it is it optimal or is it taking them in a direction that's going to require some sort of uh, repair job? Um how do you assess that well without all sorts of super high speed cameras and all that kind of stuff you kind of have to go off sensation and feel and um, did that first movement make that next thing just really really easy for you did it take you to where you wanted to go without any thought process and your body just kind of fell into it and it's effortless so um, we can do that with camera work we do it in a gym um, kind of analyzing things in slow motion you know where it gets really, really interesting. Okay. You have the mechanics of it all is okay. What do they have access to in their muscular system to create these forces to do the first thing anyway? So, um, what, what, what joint positions is their brain talking to it the way we want it to, you know, and, and one of my more successful stories with that was with Hope Solo leading up to the 2015 world cup where we would be in a scenario on the training field where she would move from the right side of the goal to the left side of the goal, and if I, if I shot the ball back to her right, she just was stuck and just couldn't get over that hump. she couldn't get herself to go back. Um, her brain had put up some sort of governor switch that wasn't allowing it to happen um, and she was coming off national team camp, and her knee had you know had had some issues there, it kept getting swollen up and this and that. So I did it. I brought her in the gym at ATI and we, we did some movement stuff and she was still loading one leg more than the other and shifting the wrong way. And it was, it's visible, like you can see it. She could feel it and you can see the frustration of it. So we pulled out two scales, uh, calibrating the zero. And then I had her get on there, uh, one foot, the right foot on one left foot on the other. And I had her, don't look down, look in the mirror, get in your balance, set position and whatever you feel balanced. Just give me a shout. And she's like, okay, I'm here. And she was loaded plus 25 pounds on her left leg versus her right leg. So her interpretation of her balance point was completely off. It was wrong. Is whatever the solution her brain came up to deal with, not just her knee injury, but her laundry list of issues, you know, like as any pro athlete has and deals with that most people don't even realize, uh, created that solution. So if she's accelerating a scenario where her center of mass is perpetually off all the time, it's going to take more work to decelerate that center of mass and you don't have options when you slow yourself back down. Um, So if we, what we did was we did strategic exercises to kind of get her, you know, you know, body talking the way it should again. And then then we re-zeroed her. She got on the scales like, Oh, that's, that's actually feels more even. That's good. And then we trained from that scenario Mm. and we did that. I did that at the field. I brought scales out. We would do the exact same thing every day, get her zeroed in and that led up to the world cup. And then she won the golden glove in the world cup and you know, they won the world cup, which was cool cool experience to watch but this is where it gets fascinating and some of the skill sets that we have and some of the tool sets that we can utilize is like okay we can get that zero calibration to a certain degree you know subjectively Mm -hmm. obviously uh where you know that looks pretty good we're feeling pretty good we're working together now we both feel pretty good about this and then we can work on the movement mechanics or you can see a hitch hitching mechanics and if your cueing doesn't work for them and your alterations in your cueing doesn't work for them, maybe there is a communication issue that we need to go look at from a mechanical standpoint. So I bounce back and forth and then we iron that stuff out. Now all of a sudden we've developed a relationship in the gym where we're starting to understand our lingo, which makes our cueing way more effective. And then I go out in the mm-hmm. field and I say the same stuff and it's like, remember the gym we did that? Here we are. This is it this is the deal. And it's like, Oh, okay. And that clicks in more efficiently. It's like, Oh, cool. We we're onto something here. You know, sometimes it's really successful. Sometimes it's not, you know, queuing is such a funny thing. Um, it it's, and I, I love this from a coaching standpoint because you're queuing, you're queuing off some of your own feelings and past sensations, your past experiences, and you're saying it to a human and hoping their brain, really grabs onto that cue and it just regurgitates it out through their body the same way that you've experienced it before and you, you guys have the same sensation which is complete probably nonsense the the, the cueing that goes through their brain is going to it's going to create some version of a solution that's going to be different than yours and you have to be okay with that and you have to be able to alter the cueing and you just got to get more precise with it and use different sensation techniques and different things to kind of go okay we're at where we want to be at looks good we may have to keep refining it I mean, as a pro athlete, constant refinement, we may have to keep refining this, but mm-hmm. the cueing thing is crazy mm-hmm. when you start putting it in those terms because you could be cueing people, even if your words are correct, into the wrong habits and that could affect them forever, especially when you're talking to a kid. Especially if their brain doesn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And you're cueing them, you're like, Well, this is what the book says, cue this, 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 and this, and that might completely F them up forever.
0: Mm-hmm yeah it is um, definitely an interesting modern problem. Um, mm-hmm. I think it would be awesome if we could go talk about this this idea in in sports specific coaching right You and I can use these words like orchestration and solution Sure. The whole other side of the coaching world is movement patterns. And this is their dialect. This is their domain. They're using movement patterns. Mm-hmm. Don't push your knee in that way. Keep your knees this way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What? Oh, I First of all, I can't. I think this speaks right to that cueing and not being able to measure the damage it does to someone's process.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you, let's just dive into that. Like, what do you mean by solution and orchestration? Like, I know. I think I know. <laughs> um, and we have had similar classes about this. So I just, uh, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to touch on it. So please go.
1: Well, I mean, if you put up a scenario attached to it, so for a goalkeeper, if you hit a ball, the goal is eight feet tall and the the goal is eight yards wide. And so that gives you a dimension that you have to cover and some pretty cool, uh, f- physics and some, some, you know, angles that you can you know, really take advantage of if you understand that. Okay. Uh, say you hit it, the ball four feet off the ground, which is halfway up, but it's, you know, three yards to the left. What solution and orchestration are they using to move into that zone to attack that, that problem? Um, and the things that you tell them to do may inhibit that process to get to there. Uh, they may not have the ability uh, from a, a motor control standpoint to even do that. Uh, there may be a structural issue inside of a joint that we don't know about that's inhibiting them from doing that. We don't see in there. I don't have an x ray. I don't put, you know, I don't shuffle people through an x ray machine before I have them on the field. And it's okay. And if you keep working at it, uh, maybe it gets better. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you have to alter things altogether to change the orchestration. The orchestration pattern that their brain has developed to solve that problem. Um, whatever it may be, which is different for everybody. Um, obviously there's a, hopefully there's an ideal, but man, I don't know who lives in that ideal with, you know, cause especially with how adaptive and ever changing the, the nervous system it is. I'll tell health, you but. who does
0: the fucking FMS teachers. Well, <laughs> they want an ideal. They want you in a box. They want you to go Northeast, West. They want, a con-
1: they want a conveyor belt in the pattern and they want they want it reproducible. They want it, okay, anybody can do this and you can make these inferences off of it. Because is at the end of the day, is that a good business model? Yeah, it is
0: mm-hmm. for
1: money. Is it realistic to what's going on? No, because person A didn't sleep as well as person B. And that could absolutely affect what's going on there. Person A didn't eat the same type of eggs as person B in the morning that can change what they're putting out there. And if mm-hmm. you don't think that's real, man. Yeah. Just Whatever. Because, <laughs> like, it, that's what's so inf- interesting about all these studies and information. It's like, okay, uh, you're making inferences on something that is that lacks so many control variables, you don't know what's going on. Is that person... Freaking potentiated or not. That person might have more output because they are. That person might not because they're not. And then you're going to create these relationships and use it as gospel. And it's such garbage because mm-hmm. just, just uh, the whole, there's all these metrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you pay attention to them and use them for certain things? For sure. But man, that can't, you can't live and die off that stuff. Yeah. There's so much more to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. the The individual, and the results vary greatly person to person, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. I um, and I spent a while trying to standardize injury prevention, which is one of these things I'm questioning right now. You know, wow, is that,
1: you have to do it for that many people, right?
0: Yeah. I'm questioning injury prevention as a concept, oh. even, you know. I'm prevent I'm questioning it as um, from this queuing language, you know, I'm questioning it from um, you know, oh God, what's that guy's name? Oh, I'm totally blanking on it. He's um big in in soccer, coaching, continuing education. He's Dutch, anyways, He like is like this armchair Twitter hound that mm-hmm. just wants to tell people, oh, that player got injured because... And he will give you this exact reason, and it was because of the timing of the season, there were too many games, and they didn't do this, and they didn't do that. Like, he has some kind of inside library of what these high-level Dutch teams are doing, right? And, you know, I definitely don't want to ever be that. You know, I don't want to ever sit there and say, you will hurt yourself if you do this. But I also don't want to be the the person who doesn't help people understand all the variables that are at
1: well hand. yeah. I mean but I mean okay Dutch guy. Uh <laughs> I'm I probably know who he is, but what if that player that got hurt uh you know maybe he got an argument with his girlfriend uh and he's feeling sad. And if you don't think those emotions affect the muscular output You're Mm -hmm. out of touch again. Mm -hmm. Can you control that? No. I mean, this is you can't make inferences because you don't have all the you don't have all the facts there. You know, you can go okay from a mechanical thing. Yeah, that that's that's the that's the mechanism of the injury. That's what happened, but you don't know. You can't peel that that many layers back.
0: It's this guy. Do you know that name? Oh yeah. Yeah. Not that I can say it. Um periodization pundits. That's what they're called. <laughs> because because you can plan every detail in these kids uh and these athletes Buzz season. Word. Yeah. It's a buzzword for sure. And I spent so much time looking at periodization and trying to help people make a calendar and
1: try that's to. That's what it is, it's a calendar. Yeah. That's all it is. It's a structured calendar. Yeah. Let's not get let's not get crazy with the fancy word.
0: <laughs> yeah. But outside of the, outside of that, you know, these structures and these um, institutionalized um, ways of doing things in sports, youth sports, professional sports, you know, bringing it back down to this orchestration idea and that we really don't understand like how much input is going in to the athlete's brain Mm -hmm. at one given time. And if you think about it from like just one position, like a center back, right? How calculated does a center back have to be? They have to know exactly, they have to think three steps ahead of what's happening in front of them. And and they have to, yeah. (laughs) So if, if I could, yeah. And, and they have to have these, if then situations, like if I get the ball, you know, then who's going to, and then who's going to, you know, support me in these ways. Right. And
1: what about the poor goalkeeper?
0: <laughs> I
1: just, um, I can't even imagine, get into that. <laughs> imagine the, imagine the arousal state that they have to continually stay in standing there to release the appropriate hormones to be ready uh, and not get too aroused and, and caught up in the big moment where oh, you know yes. the hormonal release will be a negative effect and they stiffen up. Mm-hmm. Imagine what uh, I mean—that fight or flight zone that they have to live in without doing anything. Imagine what that does to your brain.
0: That's really interesting. That's like um, that's like a
1: pilot of sorts. It's uh, i I'm when I'm done playing a game back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, the mental fatigue was extraordinary. Mm. And as a professional, I was I was a professional backup goalkeeper. I was mm. good enough to get access into the locker room and be allowed to be around people, which was cool. But you but you have to be ready to play. And as a backup goalkeeper, I was tired after every single game
0: because
1: mm. you're there with a what if every time. Yeah, what if? Because you have to be ready, and it, 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 it and that can kill you. Or if you're good at it, it can you can be really you know, solid there, but the 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 arousal state that everyone has to be in, and it's an appropriate zone, because um, you're getting different, again, different hormonal releases that are going to affect your output. Um, it it could be too much for certain people. And if you have a coach that's overbearing, and you, let's go down to kids now, mm. that might get their arousal state way too high, that might have such a negative effect on their body. If Makes- it's under ar- if it's under arousing, they may never get to a zone to even achieve what you want them to achieve from a technical standpoint or a lifting standpoint anyway. Mm. So, wow. How do you play that game?
0: Yeah. I, uh, yeah, my brain went a bunch of different ways. One, like really makes a case not to stick a kid in a goal too early.
1: You shouldn't do that anyway. Yeah.
0: You shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that for many reasons, but this, that's a strong point.
1: I was a stereotypical chubby kid, so I got thrown back there. (laughs) Lucky you. Yeah. It it worked out to a certain degree, but yeah.
0: um, And it also made me think of um, that there's really no other position like a goalkeeper. There's nothing. Um, We could argue I'd like to, you know, you could compare it to pitching in a way, um, a real, like an end-of-the-game relief type of pitcher. Um, or uh, I was also thinking of um, the fatigue, the mental fatigue, the nervous system fatigue, and then
1: – From a mental taxation yeah. standpoint, wow. I'm going to go goalkeeper. Uh, uh, I'm going to go NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm just because the abundance of information that they have to learn and evaluate constantly. I mean, it's wild. Uh, A pitcher would be good in there. And again, goalkeepers are in there too. Mm. Cause they, they, they don't, they're not the energy system that they're running off of is, is, uh, you can't get in that flow zone where you are just, okay, now I'm just kind of going through it. I'm not, I'm constantly potentiated running throughout, running throughout the field. You know, like you're sitting there for a while, you have to be able to mentally, stay there and you're thinking constantly and there's always a what if scenarios. Okay. What if that happens with that? And you're ready for it, which is such a tease. <laughs> oh, oh, I might have to go do something. Oh, well, no, I don't. And then you, cause then you ramp up your arousal state and has to come back down. It's like, Oh, that was close. Like I almost had to go do something. That's exhausting.
0: I almost had to go do something.
1: And, but then um, the one time, the one time you do have to do something, you better do it right. Otherwise you're the, you're the guy that loses the game. Yeah it's it's an it's emotionally abusive
0: it it, that sounds that's a good way to put it and then to just i think really give people the picture of what this um back to the orchestration term Mm -hmm. what do you put in place for a player to have the best orchestration so you were saying for them to be as efficient as possible so Mm -hmm. on one level we have all these like there's reflexes right that are happening at the spinal cord level sure and those are the things that me and you are kind of interacting with when we're talking yeah. about this table work right
1: yeah yeah
0: and then there's um anything else that disrupts these reflexes right and that is all of the higher level stimulation like mm-hmm. when we talk about you know how many places does your attention have to be at once right mm-hmm. so i feel like i've seen your training and i've seen like how um it it looks different um from even like the tra- trained eye um meaning mine and so we I, I think what i'm seeing is like sometimes you're stimulating this decision making process mhm Right, and sometimes you're training this how well the muscles are stimulated, maybe potentiated is the right word, how well they are um, accessed Mm
1: -hmm. by the
0: brain in any given scenario. Can you talk through, like, kind of a few points on that? And then I didn't get the answer to my original question, which was what phrase do you use the most with your clients?
1: (laughs) Uh, I think generally I say, does that make sense? Um, like that's one I stick with because I want to make sure they understand what I'm saying. And then I go, <laughs> did that really make sense? Can you talk to me? Can you talk to me about it? If not, let's, let's revisit that. Uh, I do that because obviously we want to go, um, you know, side by side as we progress in this and have a good understanding of the the conceptual nature of what we're trying to accomplish they don't have to know all the nitty gritty details, but here's what we're trying to get out of this scenario. We need to make sure that we're both on the same page with this. Otherwise I'm thinking one thing you're thinking another and my queuing is going to screw you up. Um, that's a hundred percent right there. Uh, also, I'd like to go on these weird little rants where I talk for a while and I don't know, I don't remember what I said. And that's actually a genuine issue on my part. I'm like, did I say what I wanted to say? And I need to go back and check on that. Does that make sense? <laughs> um, but Again, understanding that concept together is so critical because it, it, then the queuing the will match up or it will not match up when you start thinking about it that way. Um, I don't remember what your last question was, to be honest.
0: Oh, I was like, I was commenting on orchestration uh-huh. and commenting on like, co- like, Coaching the decision-making process, meaning, like, what the eyes are doing versus the hips. Um, And because when it comes down to it, like, body positioning is a decision. But we try Mm -hmm. to make it automatic, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That's one thing. And then the other thing I commented on was the other side of that, like, preparing your athletes the best you possibly can in this orchestration like mindset, because that's what I see you doing. I see you with this mindset, this whole strategic mindset of orchestration and giving the athlete the best possible totally. tools
1: to do that. Totally. Yeah. Well, it start that starts with okay, what is my initial intake assessment uh, telling me? Mm-hmm. And that could be obviously the physical and orthopedic history. That seems like to be a no duh. Uh, Who is this person I'm talking to? How do they learn? Uh, What are their genuine emotional motivations for being where they're at? Uh, How do they feel about where they're at? All those factors play a huge role on how I choose to communicate and progress them and uh, make a strategic uh, plan of attack and what we really need to work on for that individual. I mean, you can generally hit everything, but if you have a, a strategy, you know, you, your body is a system of different systems, and one system's, you know, flailing here. Can we perk up that one to help the rest of it? That's a big part of it. Um, so, getting uh, investigative and in where we actually need to start is a really, really big deal there. Mm-hmm. Now, say we get past all that and we're working into okay, the physical exercise part of it. Okay, now some of the assessments that you and I do is your brain really chit-chatting the way we want it to. Uh, is it chit-chatting in different positions, different orientations? Uh, are you standing up? Is it chit-chatting the same way as when you're laying down? Uh, if not, then maybe we can play some games there. Um, I know I'm saying chit-chatting and maybe that's an unfair way to kind of, well, just you, does, does the brain communicating it, and is there some version of contraction stability in these, these positions,
0: yeah. right? Well, like the reflex level of these like monosynaptic occurrences, like mm-hmm. at the spinal cord level. Then when you get up there, it, it up there, <laughs> meaning the brain um, where I think chitchat might work because you're talking yeah. about different um, synapses. You're talking about oh, yeah. strengthening those connections and how many connections does it take to get to the outcome? Like, yeah, it, it should be less.
1: It should be more efficient, right? Yeah. yeah. It should become much more efficient at what it's doing. And you know, because it, it it creates a, a history page too of what you've you've inputted into it, um, and so, which is again goes down another rabbit hole of okay, is your queuing creating a bad history? <laughs> is, it, mm-hmm. is it an inefficient way to get that done? Possibly, probably. Um, do the best you can in that scenario, but uh, it, it's fascinating if you can break it down that level. It's like okay, it, what it gives you is. I think an open-minded viewpoint and an understanding that there's more factors playing ball here than you can probably comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more opportunities for improvement. There's also more things you got to accept and go. Okay, there's something in there that I'm not quite sure about. We're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's I I can't. There's, do I even want to go to that level with some people? You know, and that depends. Mm-hmm. That depends. But, you know, the communication, the motor learning stuff, okay, here's a ball in my hand. My, I've, I've sensed that through all these little receptor things that goes up my brain and back down to my muscles telling it to contract to a certain degree and stabilize the joint to a certain degree and move it to a certain degree. Um, can they even do that? Do they do that efficiently? What, what's, mm-hmm. what's their history that's created limitations in that potentially? Mm-hmm. Of Get that dialed down to what they have to give. Let's go to Tom Purvis. What do they have? Like, mm-hmm. what can they own? What can they tolerate? That stuff rings true in everything we're doing, I know. in my opinion.
0: Opportunity I mean, cost, like a risk assessment, you know?
1: Totally. Totally yeah. missed
0: by most of the whole entire industry that we're in.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, are they activated and stimulated to the degree that we want them to, to accomplish a task that we need to? Now we're diving into a psychological game that has real physical and mechanical uh, applications there. There's your coaching that, that has to come into play. Do we want them activated all the time? I would argue, no. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want to be walking around ugh, rigid all the time. Right. There's, <laughs> there's a, I mean, there's a bounce there. Do they, do you want them to have access and an ability to activate things when you want them to? Absolutely. That would be a dream. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we do, how do we get them prepped for that activity in their uh, strategic uh um, preparation exercises or activities or whatever that chooses to do to be like, can we get their brain really tuned into what we want them to, to maximize with the exercise that we're going to do and the movement pattern we're going to do? Um, uh, yeah. Do you it goes, have, <laughs> it, goes, it goes, it goes, I mean, we're going down layers. I mean, you, yeah. just, you can keep going. Yeah. I
0: mean, the... does everyone
1: need, does everyone need all this stuff?
0: No. <laughs> That's <laughs> a great question. Uh that is a great question. And um I think a lot of people would argue no. Um, but I'm fascinated by this gray area. I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by these layers. So uh-huh. here we are. Um mm-hmm. can you comment? Those can be
1: those can be the difference makers.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: The, the, those yeah. gray areas can be the difference makers big time. Yep.
0: Um yeah. I, yeah. So, can you comment on the the transition you're making recently, moving into uh, baseball, major and major mm. league baseball, and what's been happening there? And you know, if what you're learning, anything?
1: Yeah, I mean, because the the skill requirements uh, and the um, the uh, kind of metrics that they're they're using to, to not literal metrics like i'm keeping just uh stats on this thing but what the, the things that they have to play with in terms of okay i have a pitcher who needs to load up in a bunch of supinated characteristics and be able to hold that position and then translate it into pronation characteristics all the way through the train and then create a block with their lead leg uh, to, you know, cause you're putting force into the ground. You need that force to come back up so they can seesaw over that to release a pitch ultimately at a certain degree and then do this thing on repeat is crazy.
0: It's such a cool sport. Yeah.
1: But, uh, but it happens in all sports and this is what uh, yeah. I, with, with the baseball guys, you really have to, they, they break it down. They try to break it down, but let's underline and emphasize and uh, capitalize and exc- exclamation point. Try, uh, to break some of the stuff down and, and some people do okay with it. Some people are like, Oh dude, you don't even know what you're talking about. It's pretty funny. Um, and, and you're doing great not knowing what you're talking about. So just stick with it. <laughs> um, but to, to go joint by joint and go, okay. pronation, supination characteristics where the subset characteristics of those things, is that happening? Uh, where is it not happening in the chain? Because it is a chain of events that needs to happen. It's a chain of acceleration then strategic deceleration through another joint to create more torque at another joint to finish with a ball going it,
0: man. Yeah. it's
1: awesome yeah and I go wait a minute that stuff I just analyzed and thought of really really in depth applies back to my soccer thing that I was doing a while ago and I go I think I just got so kind of in my zone with what I was doing with soccer and then kind of you know how you do it's like okay it just opened my mind to what I was doing with the soccer thing. It's like ah and I love when that moment happens
0: Mm
1: -hmm. because it opens your brain up again you're like this is why we do what we do and that's why we keep doing shit like this is because you want your brain to open up again right you need your brain to open up because if it doesn't open up you get bored (laughs) that's true uh you know and, and using some of the movement pattern stuff that i've Really thought about with myself and with my you know, soccer athletes, and then translating that in the concepts and just kind of how I teach it to the major league baseball guys has really taken off in a positive way. And it's never really like, yeah, I didn't really think about it that way, but when I do, this feels easier. I'm like, cool, we're on a good spot. Then you know, um, and that comes with a coaching background and the queuing background to be able to implement some of those physical changes and the physics changes that we're trying to go for. And it's so fun. Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. I mean,
0: that's dangerous territory you're in there. I mean, if you
1: screw up a,
0: a baseball—no, not the physical—but like a base. If you cue a pitcher the wrong way, I think this could go back to that goalkeeping conversation. That cue will can change their whole entire outcome, like timeline. But like, well,
1: now we're go- now we're going back to the <laughs> assessment part of. Yeah, who is this human, and how are they receptive to information? Because if you're not solid with that and going, this person's going to take this thing so literally and fly with it, this is going to cause problems. Yeah. And you don't understand how to tailor that that way. Yeah, I mean that that's that's where it gets fascinating. It's like, okay, I need to learn how you learn this stuff and what you think about it. And it's like, okay, you're way overboard here. And then the full disclaimer: going, hey, pro baseball guy, you're talking to a soccer coach. That was your <laughs> first mistake. <laughs> that's my that's always my get out jail free card. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, um, I've been getting more and more NFL clients and football players. Mm -hmm. So there's an obvious like, (laughs) you know, I get to throw my hands up pretty easily and be like, well, you could try this. And, And then when they take me seriously, they're like so surprised. But um, you have a
1: really decent grasp, more advanced grasp of the rules of exercise. So what you're doing is mm-hmm. going to be generally pretty safe and you yeah. have an advanced assessment technique and you have an ad- advanced uh, understanding of the neural system and the muscular system and all the joints and all that, you know, how to keep it safe yeah. and appropriate. And you understand, okay, this could be a positive thing, a positive dosage for your brain and simulation for your brain. And you can understand where, okay, maybe this is becoming a decrement. We need to change and alter here
0: that's it I think. yeah if you don't you better stop (laughs) then if you don't you're you're really good at faking it um
1: and there's a lot of those guys
0: uh (laughs) uh-huh i um is there anything else we missed is there anything you want to talk about in the future that i should put on my calendar um do you what or what are you excited about in the next like three months except going back to civilization. Oh uh,
1: yeah. Getting through the pandemic.
0: Um, yeah. I, well, thank you. I forgot about the pandemic for the last hour in our conversation. So thank
1: you. Me too. And I've been sitting in the sauna for a while. This is a, <laughs> I kind of, it's not on, but I have a weird film of sweat that's developed. Um, so yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's been pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything that you'd like to know that we could touch on more? I mean, I've, I, have i i I feel like I gently painted on things and didn't dive into Uh it. Yeah. Where my Um, brain will dive into things pretty far.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's why we're friends. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I uh, love talking about, I love talking about feet. I love talking about their performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love... um, And then... As strength training. Um, we didn't really hit on that, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is in the conversation about resilience and tolerance and owning what you have, um, for sure. Uh, and then I think um, those are the two main things. And then this stuff you just said, I was like, oh, what is the, what is this? Just talking about how people learn and how people receive information from this like mm-hmm. position of coach, coach, it's just jumped away from my microphone. Um, coach slash therapist to student slash athlete. Like, that's an interesting <laughs> conversation, you know? This like, is, why don't this we is, just start reading birth charts?
1: This is where, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but this is where uh, I've un, uh, unintentionally or circumstantially created a niche uh, or just a, 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 a I don't like rep, rep, reputation or, or whatever is coming from being able to look at things from a lens of I was that player mm-hmm. and I had a, I, I, I had moments of success in um, mild bouts of fame, uh, whether they're real or ego-driven, I don't care, um, where people recognize my name for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tasted that and then to be on the back end of that breaking down and being that having that frustration and the why factor, why does this keep happening? I'm working so hard over and over again. And this thing keeps happening, um, to that leading, uh, essentially to therapy because of stress and anxiety and not knowing how to handle it anymore, uh, to leading to new educational pathways and then coaching and then being able to do that same thing in that different role um the therapy side of it the strength training side of it and then being able to talk to them on those levels of i've been your coach i've been your i've been a player in your shoes i've been the injured person i've been the therapist that worked with that injured person i've been in this 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 and just 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 be able to identify and get it with them mm. and that's been really really uh, a useful thing you know um all the factors that play into it. Like, you know, we've, I've had a, a bumpy road getting to where I'm at mm-hmm. on so many levels. Uh, and, and you just, you utilize those experiences and you learn from them. And if you're strong enough and I like that word for me, because I have felt like I've been a very weak person uh, historically in the past with, you know, having fear, having anxiety, having stress and the mental side of that and, and being strong enough to go, I have a, I have a thing that I need help with. And going and doing that, I mean, that's mm-hmm. a pretty relevant topic these days. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, historically, people want to hide that. Pro athletes don't. They want to kind of hide that thing because it, it seems like a chink in the arm. so, when in reality, the opposite is, you're strong enough to go get help with that. Good for you. I mean, it's the same thing as going and getting your hamstring worked on. It's like, yeah, you're strong enough to go and get help with that problem. Good for you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's. I've just been that has been through it. Mm. And then I have the skill set, and we have the, the, the we've been gifted with some knowledge, and we've been gifted with uh, recognition of opportunities to go get more and more knowledge that seems to make sense, um, and explore it, and critically think about it, and poke holes in it when we feel like it, and, and and so we got the brain that matches up with the experience. All of a sudden, cool, we're in cool spots, mm. and we're doing do cool th- new things.
0: Yeah, I do think it's lucky that we've come into a community of people that are thinkers instead of doers. And, you know, but taking knowledge and applying it and questioning it is different than just having knowledge. Right. Totally. And, um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, I forgot. Anyways, um, yeah no, it's like that it's just like time of day where my brain just stops, and it's like,' okay, it's time to feed lady um it's cocktail so, hour <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah you were you were you were saying um something about how you appear and this and that. I'm like, well, you know, looking at your Instagram these days, like you're like the number one dog dad now, so all your oh, all your accolades and toughness are gone, so sorry.
1: I got a Corgi and that thing is a blessing.
0: Okay. Well, that is the perfect place to end the conversation because we did keep going and recording. Obviously I could talk and we could talk to, for a long time and we do. Um, so I'm excited to bring him back on. I really hope you enjoyed that and got a lot out of it. I think, um, he's a generous person and a wonderful guest and a wonderful friend. And, um, I really am excited to share more of his his thinking and his thoughts with y'all. Um, so thank you, Ben. And please don't forget to check him out on Instagram and the web at Dragovan Performance. And, Hit me up on the gram, impact underscore your fitness with the underscores and think fit be fit po, underscore podcast. We are also on the web at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. We would love and be honored to have your review and feedback and for you to share this with your colleagues and friends who need more connection in their exercise. And one more ask. I know, I know. Check out our affiliate, RUVI, R-U-V-I, high performance drink that is just fruits and vegetables, no junk added, no added sugar, all the fiber at impactyourfitness.thrivelife.com ruby And have a wonderful, wonderful day and stay strong and stay fit.